You're listening to the Library Pros Podcast with Chris and Bob, a techie librarian and a computer IT guy discussing libraries, technology, and all things this side of the reference desk. Thanks, Carl. Hi, and welcome to episode 59. Can you believe we've made it 59 episodes? This is crazy. Why are you listening to this podcast? (laughs) So today... We are coming to you, again, we're at episode 59 of the Library Pros Podcast, and today we are at the Sachem Public Library's booth recording studio, where we mostly do all of our podcasts here in Holbrook, New York. The Library Pros Podcast is a bi-monthly podcast, so don't forget to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast. And remember to join our email subscription service on our webpage, thelibrarypros.com. Please consider leaving a review or tell a friend or colleague, because word of mouth is how people learn about us. And please check us out on Twitter at, at the Library Pros and on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Library Pros. So, Bob, where is Bob? Bob, we got hit with a, a surprise snowstorm and we haven't heard from Bob since. Where's Bob? Could he be stranded on the side of Nichols Road for all you local people? Oh, no. Oh, no. Not Nichols he, Road. He, he didn't make it up Nichols Road from Patchogue to, uh, to Emma Clark Library. Oh, Bob. Oh, mm, maybe. Maybe the Middle Country Sasquatch got him. Definitely. Ooh. I'm nervous. Okay. <laughs> so today joining us is Derek Ivy and Darla Salva Cruz, or as they are affectionately known here in Suffolk County as Derek and Darla. That's us. That's Thanks us. for coming out, guys. We had a little minor technical difficulty that we really won't go into, but let's just say we had a fun drive to Best Buy to pick up a <laughs> spare part. I love a trip to Best Buy. A field trip to Best Buy is a good time. Always. But you can never find out which uh, if there are actually rows that you walk down. You just walk through departments. Yeah. Yeah. Corporate. They did it on purpose. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this dynamic duo are youth services, are the youth services arm of the Suffolk Cooperative Library System. Derek is the youth services coordinator, and Darla is the youth services consultant from what we love to call SCLS, or the system. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so I need, I need that sound office. effect now. Yes. So, um, like I said before, thanks for coming in, guys. And thanks for your patience with our technical difficulty. Thank you for having us. And you should never bring up technical difficulties when you're recording a podcast, because nobody really knew there was one. That's right. Now they know. Now they know. The secret's out. Anybody who listens to this podcast knows we're anything but professional. We're only human, folks. And these things happen. (laughs) So we're going to talk with Derek and Darla about their work on national committees and about their work with team departments here in Suffolk County. As we turn the page to the script, we say we never use. Mm. And youth <laughs> services as a whole. Not and, just, yeah. Yes. So, yes, not just, I'm sorry. Okay. See, I screwed up already. <laughs> we all know, everybody knows how I screw up. So, anyway, here in Suffolk, your reputation is known by everyone. But maybe we don't all know uh, about both your backgrounds. So, where did this passion for youth uh, library services come from? Darla, why don't you go first? I go first? Yeah. Okay. So passion for youth services. I've basically worked in libraries since I was old enough to work, and my first library job was as a page in the youth services department, the children's services department at Northport East Northport Public Library, Um, and working there is how I decided I wanted to be a librarian, and basically how I decided I wanted to work in children's services. So it kind of got baked in. Baked in. So you're like one of those one percenters that knew right away. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we got a one percenter on the podcast today, folks. <laughs> okay, Derek. I, ahead. on the other hand, do not have the same path as Darla to libraries. I, <clears throat> I had no idea what I wanted to do 
from the get-go. Like, from going into college, I had no idea what I'd do. So what I did is that I went to a business school and ended up um, majoring in journalism and creative writing, as you do. Okay, I can't picture you in business school. Exactly. No way. Yeah. Could you pick a worse major? Um, I first went in for advertising. No, I went in for accounting, and then I was like, oh, advertising. I was just going to say, yeah. what's even worse is it could, what, if it was accounting. I went in for accounting. <laughs> I went in for accounting, and then I like was sitting in my first class, and I was like, oh, wait, I don't like this at all. I was like, I did pretty well in math in high school. Um, and so then, long story short, I ended up working at a magazine uh, at a college, um, a celebrity news magazine, as they call them in-house. Um, and I did not like it at all, and I was terrible at it, if I'm being completely honest. Um, so I ended up kind of being like, well, what am I going to do? And so I ended up going to library school at the suggestion of my mother, because she's a genius, obviously. And I immediately knew that I wanted to go into uh, get the youth services certificate at Queens College. Um, I've always worked, I volunteered at my old grammar school for a big part of my 20s, helping them run their show there. So I've always loved working with kids and teens. Um, and that's kind of what got me here. I mean, I ended up going to library school with no library experience, and I was surrounded um, by people like Darla who have, were like, I've been a page at my library since I've, I'm 12. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm 25, and I have no library experience. This is awesome, you guys. So I knew that I had to hit the ground running, and, and that's pretty much what I did. And I just you know, love working with this, this group. They're incredible. So you're originally from, from the city then? I'm originally from Queens. Yeah, I grew up uh, in Queens. I lived there until I was about 23, 24. And okay. then we all moved out to Long Island. Like so many people do. As they do. <laughs> oh, it's that great migration. It's a Long Island. Here yeah. we are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so where did you work before SCLS? Before SCLS, I started at the New York Public Library. So you're fancy. <laughs> you know what? I think we're all in it together. It's all public <laughs> libraries. There's no fancy. There's nothing like that. I, it, it was an experience. I learned a lot. I mean, I, I truly believe in that thing of, you know, you go to library school, you get your master's degree, but you don't really know what it is to be a librarian until you're facing the public, that's until right. you're working with them, because that's when you're on your toes. That's when reader's advisory turns into anything, really. <laughs> yeah. you, it turns you into a know. minefield is exactly. what it turns into. Yeah, I always said that. Um, the only hour of my day that I had to myself was that hour before we opened, you know, when I got to turn the laptops on and get the newspapers ready and check the mail and do the book drop. Because then after that, it wasn't about me, you know, it was about my patrons. It was about everybody that was helping get everything. So, um, that's where I was. I was, I was at NYPL. I was in a number of different departments. I was a page there, um, at the Schwartzman building, which is really exciting, which is really cool. I got to go into the stacks and Schwartzman and under Bryant park. Uh, and then I was an intern, uh, at the grand central branch in uh, teen central, which was awesome. Got to work with those teens in their teen advisory group and their anime club. And then after that, I was at the epiphany branch and then the Yorkville branch where I was always in teen services as well. That's really impressive. Are, are we allowed in the that? room with him now? <laughs> you guys. Jeez. Okay, Darla. Um, so, like I said, I was a page at Northport East Northport Public but, Library. Remember one thing. You're the you're the one percenter. He she's may have worked bread. at New York Public. <laughs> yeah, no, she's, but she's purebred. a purebred. I'm yeah, pure absolutely. Bread. Absolutely. She knows this she knows this county better than I ever will. Well, I grew up here. Well, a double triple whammy. <laughs> I mean it just keeps I I, I keep just you keep <laughs> Um, <laughs> so I was a page at Northport Library. Um, I think it, by the time I left there, I was working there for about eight and a half years. Um, so, so you can retire now in the system. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So while I was there, I started going to library school, um, and the head of the department at the time, Doris Gable, uh, very kindly helped me find out about a trainee position at Half Hollow Hills Library. Um, so while I was still in library school, I started part-time there, um, and eventually I moved up to being a full-time children's librarian at Half Hollow Hills, um, which was great because, like Derek was saying, you can't beat that boots-on-the-ground experience. So I was able to start getting that while I was still in library school and kind of apply what I learned as I went. Um, and it was a really great community. I was uh, I mostly did, um, like, early childhood programming. So I did your Mother Goose programs, your little scientists. I got to be in charge of ordering for the video game collection and the graphic novel collection, which are two of my passions. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and now I'm at System. When Darla interviewed for her current position, uh, the second interview, she had to do a presentation. Um, it was and so she, scary. <laughs> and she spoke about her how, how she built the video game collection there and graphic novels, and she spoke about it with such passion, and it was really so impressive to see. She still is so impressive. Thanks, Every Derek. darn day. I mean, you guys are a dynamic duo. What can I tell you? Derek and Darla. Double Derek Ds. And Darla. Gotta love it. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so I am not a teen librarian. Mm-hmm. On my best day, I don't think I can be a teen librarian. What drew you to the teens? What was that that moth to a flame moment? For me, teenagers are just some of my favorite beings on the face of the earth. I think that they're in such an incredible time in their life, such an incredible point of change in their life where they're really starting to discover who they are and they're not afraid to pursue their true identity Um, and to give them a place like the library to come discover that and to come be who they are, I think is the greatest thing we can do for them. Giving them that space, giving them a person who understands them. I think it takes a certain, I think it takes a certain breed of person to be a librarian in general. Um, But I think to be a teen librarian, you really have to be a specific type of person. You have to be a person that can walk the balance of being an authority figure, but also being a friend, mm-hmm. being someone that can listen to them, but also be able to tell them when they're acting a fool and they shouldn't be doing that in the library. Um, so I think for me, teens are just like these great humans that have so much worth and can bring such greatness to a community. Uh, that's what really drew me to want to work with them because they're not kids anymore, but they're not adults yet. So they still have the freedom to play. Um, but in a more sophisticated way to really kind of mold who they will become. And I think that being a teen librarian, you have kind of a piece of that. And that's exciting to me. So Darla, tell us again, I'm an adult services librarian. You could not pay me enough to work in children's. (laughs) I've had, I have kids of my own and my kids are great and it was great, but those are somebody else's kids. (laughs) Tell me what, what was your moment? Why, why you chose children's? Don't tell me because that's what your first assignment was. Well, it's kind of. It was always a given. Not that it was because where I was put. Um, I saw being a page in the children's department. I watched the librarians working with children, and it's. It, you get these moments where it's it's so rewarding because you're really uh, making a connection with these young people who are. It's kind of a lot of what Derek was saying, but but for a different age group, you're connecting them to the the world. You know, their their minds are growing. You can see them learning when they're sitting in front of you while you're you know doing. Uh, a finger rhyme with them and you can see them like getting it that's amazing that's really rewarding um and really working with any age any of the you know the children's services ages if you will is is great 
um, you get the kids who come in who just love books so much and they want you know like to take as many books out as they're allowed and you're giving them book talks and they're going yeah 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 I love it yeah I want to put that on the pile what else is like that and you get that childlike enthusiasm coming from them it's it's infectious and it's kind of addictive you want to just keep you know making these kids happy and getting them the things they need I could I could probably go on and on (laughs) about working with kids yeah I would just also like to say as far as with teens I'm kind of just like a big teenager still, I think. Like, I love anime. I love manga. I love YA lit. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's just like, that's what I love. And so I can share it with a bunch of people who like it too. I agree. Know? I'm the same. I love children's books. I think children's books are like boiled down literature in a yeah. lot of ways. Uh, and you get kind of in your box. and You don't want to go back to the scary world of scary adult literature with yeah. scary and horrible things that happen in it. Uh, but children's literature is amazing, and you know children's media is amazing. You have to; it has to be the best of the best to be good mm-hmm. enough for kids. So when you find it, it's amazing. Um, and like you said, I think that if you're somebody who's into pop culture and into you know video games and cartoons and all that. You should think about being a children's or a teen librarian because if you want somebody who's going to get as excited as you are about these things, there's no one better to talk to than a a child or a teenager. Uh, When I was in the children's department at Half Hollow Hills, I wasn't in the teen department, but we were near it. So there were a couple of these really nerdy teens who found out that I also liked the same stuff they did, and they would come over in the afternoon and stand there and talk to me. They would talk to me as long as I was able which was great. You know, yeah. it's what you want. You're looking for that person who you can just nerd out about stuff with. I miss them. I miss those teens. They and, were good kids. And Darla and I, I think, are lucky that we have each other, like, just, oh like, God, one yeah. office down. Because, like, if we're, like, into the same thing, like, like say, Steven Universe or even, like, RuPaul's Drag Race or yeah. something like that, like, we'll just, like, come into and just be like, did you, and then we don't stop. And it's like, you, you need that person yes, to geek out with, absolutely. to nerd out with. And so if you could be that librarian for that group of people in your library, it just opens so many doors and so many good conversations. It's awesome. You know. And this is great because I feel exactly the same way when I'm doing the technology stuff. And it's, you use the word geek out. Now, we mentioned Melanie Cardone at, in every podcast because she created our 032 list, which we'll get to later. Um, but Melanie, when I worked over at Longwood, that's exactly the term we would use. We'd geek out on something. Mm-hmm. And we had done that with so many different things. And that passion and enthusiasm comes through and maybe this is a librarian thing not just necessarily something that's teens or children's you know when you have that passion for something and you feel it you get so motivated by it Mm -hmm. and when you like you were saying when the kids get it when I'm working with somebody whether I'm showing them how to use their iPhone or whether we're doing a 3D print or whether we're whatever we're doing there's that moment where they get it and I think that is the 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 apex of what we do so it just it it made me smile to see that you guys teens children's it's the same thing yeah yeah it's you know it's like the magic moment of information science right it's yeah. like getting that that reaction you know it's like i'm giving you this information and and you're you're it's clicking and yeah. you can see it happen or even just you know working with the parents when a parent comes in all stressed out and it's like 4:30 <laughs> on a sunday they're like i need a book about the Oregon trail for my fourth grader and you hand it to them they open it and they go 
this is perfect. And then you get that. That feels so good. That feels so good. Darla and I were in Barnes & Noble a few weeks ago, um, and this mother came in with her son, and she was just, like, so stressed out, and she was, like, asking everybody for help. She was like, I need a mystery for my sixth grade son. And Darla and I were standing there. We just kind of, like, scooted over, and we're like, hi, we're librarians. Can we help you? And, like, we helped helped them get books, and it was, like, so exciting. She took one of the books we recommended. Yeah, it was, but, like, it's that thing. It's that thing of, like, we were, like, librarians out in the wild. It was, like, guerrilla librarianship. Yeah. That like, is so cool. on the streets. Yeah. yeah, it was great. But it's it's it is it's that exciting moment of being able to help someone and seeing them get it. Yeah. Well, I would be remiss if I did not bring up the amazing work you guys do with the Battle of the Books. Now, I had asked you off mic before because we know our colleagues in Nassau do not have a program like this, but I asked if it's being done anyplace else, and you said that it is. It's just different versions of what you do. Mm. And so tell us about how the idea came about, where you got your inspiration from. Tell Just tell us – and tell us about it because for those people my, – my buddies down in Australia and, um, and New Zealand and our friends in Japan and all the other crazy places that, that waste their time listening to this um, – <laughs> Tell them about it because it's it's so hard for me to describe. So Battle of the Books is at its most streamlined explanation a countywide book trivia program. Yes. Yes. That is it. Streamlined, down, boiled down. Um, but it does exist in many other <clears throat> forms, not only in New York State, around the country, and I think in other countries, I'm sure. When I've I've met people at ALA, librarians at ALA, and they were like, "Oh, I did Battle of the Books when I was a kid," and they're from wherever, you know, Texas or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think it just exists in like t- Texas or wherever. <laughs> um, I think it exists. <laughs> Darla just countries like Texas. <laughs> Darla shot me this look like Texas. <laughs> um, but anyway, so the way it works here in our county is that Darla and myself in a group of what we call our judges who are amazing librarians from within the county. Um, we choose eight different titles that are then released at different points in the year for either coaches at libraries and then the public. Um, and the kids, um, kids entering grades six through nine spend their summer reading these books and basically, committing every single minor detail in the book to memory. It's kind of scary. I'm, yeah, and it's I, not an exaggeration at all. No. Not the at level all. of detail is ridiculous, and we always write these questions. Like what was going, the side dish that, that Irma ate when she was talking about the third time she went to Taco Bell? Yeah. And, yeah. and then the one she didn't eat. Right. Yeah. And it's, like, <laughs> and it's like the answer has to be like brown, crispy, cinnamon, sugar, yeah. chalupas, and... And... You know, cheesy refried beans or something. But yeah, and and that's what we're looking for. So it's like very specific. So uh, this past year, which was the 22nd year of Battle of the Books, was uh, held in August. And it is held at Stony Brook. Right? Is that the name of it? Stony, Stony Brook University. University. There you go. Look at you guys in unison. I'm like, my brain just totally farted. I'm like, where was I, where was I all day on August 11th? I can't remember. Uh, so it, we have three sessions. We had 41 teams that uh, participated. So we have anywhere from 12 to 15 libraries participating in a session. We have a morning, afternoon, and evening session. And basically, uh, two books are in a round. They're asked 20 questions. Um, 
And it's specific questions. They have five seconds to answer it. Uh, and then at the end of that day, which for Darla, myself, and the third person in our youth services department, Patty Kloss, um, that day goes from about uh, 6.30 in the morning till about 10 o'clock at night. Um, it's and a day. It's a day. And uh, at the end of that day, there's a winner from each session and then a fourth wildcard team. And then the mo- following Monday, those four teams come back for two semifinal rounds and then a final championship round. And those questions are even more difficult, like full addresses, full lists of five things like, yeah, like, like phone numbers, phone numbers. I think the word you're looking for is insane. 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 Yes, Yes, exactly. And And, and they know it. (laughs) And they know it. And it's like one of the most intense nights that exists of the year. I think in many of our lives, it's like one of those things where a pin you could hear a pin drop yeah. in the auditorium. And it's yeah. like, oh, God, yeah. Yeah, and if there's like a cough, it's like that person is just like... <clears throat> no, you get a look. Exactly. You coughed. Why are you coughing? Exactly. We shut down the competition. We stare at them. They know it's been a horrible thing they that they've done. skulk under their chair. The, um, big, the big cane comes out from behind the curtain. Nice. <laughs> but really, so this started 22 years ago. I believe the woman who started it, her name was Tracy Firestone, and she held a similar position to mine at the system. Uh, and she just wanted to do something awesome with the teens in our county. And it turned out to be Battle of the Books, which has turned into like this incredible thing. The first Battle of the Books, I think, took place on a summer day. It was like 90 degrees in a non-air-conditioned barn in Suffolk County. Very rustic. And you, no stereotype in there. Yes. No. We did it in a barn. We did it here in a barn. There was a cow. He was uh, the main rural, judge. Rural Suffolk County. Dear to get Lord. to battle. Yes. Oh, and we made it. <laughs> um, but yeah, everyone does look very sweaty in those pictures. Yeah. So they're such troopers. I think there were like 12 libraries that participated. Um, it, it's, you know, and it's really evolved into this incredible thing. At this point, there's amazing team names. There's team costumes that they work on. Um, it's kind Can of- I share, uh, regarding the costumes, this past summer, uh, Shelter Island Public Library's team, they were Team Derek, I believe, and they dressed all of them as Derek. Wow. Because As they really me. love Derek. Yeah. One of the things that Derek always does for Battle of the Books is he has a glitter beard, yes. uh, which is fantastic. It's impressive. It's impressive. And these teenagers, all of them came with glitter beards. It was so cool. It was just so amazing. You know, for me, we don't really work with the public that often, you know, and so um, we have another event out here called Authors Unlimited, which is an author festival that we run. Um, and I always introduce myself. I'm like, hi, I'm. Derek Ivey, I'm the Youth Services Coordinator at the Suffolk Cooperative Library System. What that means to you is probably nothing. Or I'm the guy with the glitter beard at Battle of the Books. And some people exactly, are like, oh, yeah. yeah, okay, I know you. So when they had put in their team name, it was Team Derek. I was like, oh, they must have a team member named Derek. That's really cool. That's so funny. And then they showed Not up and they the all case. had glitter beards. I was like really just so – that was just so sweet. It was sweet. very heartwarming. It was so heartwarming. It was just so nice. And just to be clear, they didn't win. No. <laughs> they didn't win. But – that session, they did win best costume. I, I think. think they did. We don't <laughs> do have not? any say in best costume. No, the, award? The, the teams vote on best costume themselves. So that was Full really disclosure. cool. Disclosure. Um, but what's so great about Battle of the Books? The heart of Battle of the Books. Yes, it's a trivia thing. Yes, there's a winner. Yes, there's a plaque that a library gets. Connectquat um, Public Library won this past year, um, and they got a plaque and it's inscribed with their name, which is so cool. And they get to hang it in their library for this year and show their Battle of the Books pride. But when I'm standing there on that stage, I'm looking out at hundreds of kids that spent their summer reading at the library. Um, And they're dressed in costumes, and some of them have glitter beards, and some of them have capes on, and some of them are dressed like robots that they built out of cardboard, (laughs) which we had this year. Uh, And to me, it's like a community. These kids found kids like them. 
you know, and that's what's so important. Uh, and it's like a, it's like a mini library comic con. You know, they get to hang out, they eat candy, they talk to each other, and then there's in, these intense moments of trivia questions. But at the end of the day, they're getting to hang out with kids like them. It's really cool. And I can honestly say, because my daughter was on one of the teams, I won't say which team. It might have been the winning team. I did not say that. (laughs) Um, But she made really good friends with someone who she would not have ordinarily met through the normal course of her day in school. And they get together a lot. So they've built a friendship based upon Battle of the Books. So how cool is that? I'm kind of getting a little emotional thinking about it. My heart is full. That is the point. That's the point, Chris, is that that is why we do it. That's why I do it. That's. I mean, I don't think I have a choice whether or not I do it. <laughs> now you don't. But, no. <laughs> but um, that's incredible. I'm so happy to hear that. It's it's very, very cool. Yeah. So I have to commend you guys. It's, it's amazing what you do. I couldn't on my best day do that. Um, and that's just standing in, in my librarian shoes. Um, what you do is monumental. It's epic. And it's awesome. And I know that it's the talk of library land when you're doing it here mm-hmm. in Suffolk County. It's like, oh, it's battle. It's battle time. It's battle season. And then and the ramping up to it and the preparing and the all the Funyuns and Mountain Dew. And, <laughs> yes. You know, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's starting to sound like uh, Dungeons and Dragons here <laughs> yeah. for a minute. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, you see every school and every school, every library getting into it. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it yeah, speaks, we have more and more every year. It, yes, and that's the awesome part. It's continuing to grow. Yeah. And it's just such a major event here in Suffolk County in library land. So, you know. The work that you guys do is just amazing. So I want to give big props to you guys for that. You guys rock. And we now have to take a break. Because when we come back, we are going to talk about all the other cool stuff that you guys do. Not that that just wasn't the coolest thing ever. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to chat some more. Okay, we are back with Suffolk's teen and youth services dynamic duo of Derek Ivy and Darla Salva Cruz from the Suffolk Cooperative Library System, or as we call it, the system. <laughs> so right off the bat, we know that you guys have been very active, uh, not only here in Suffolk County, but nationally with committees through ALA. But first, tell us about your work, um, and this is more Derek, I think, right? Yeah. Um, with young adult. Uh, Library Services Association, YALSA, and the Teen Book Finder Database. Tell us about that, because I'm not sure that a lot, of, you know, a lot of people know about it. Yeah, so um, YALSA, or the Young Adult Library Services Association, is the young adult um, association that's a part of the American Library Association, or ALA. Uh, and I've been very involved uh, in ALA and YALSA since I'm in library school. I knew it was something that I had always wanted to do. I had some great mentors, uh, Chris Shoemaker and Jack Martin, um, who were my bosses when I was working part-time at NYPL who were 
actually they're both now you know past 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 presidents of yalsa uh, so they were always kind of there saying like you should you should get involved so right now i'm involved in yalsa i'm on their board i'm a board member at large for them and so i work um i'm the chair of one of their standing committees and i'm an affiliate to the um associations and round tables um throughout ala for yalsa and something that Yalsa created is the Teen Book Finder app, uh, the database, which is an app. So you can download this app. Uh, it's on iOS. You can get it on Android. And what this app is is kind of a database of all of the books that have been acknowledged by any sort of Yalsa selection list or award-winning list. And they put it all into this app that folks can search to find a really good read. Uh, and then it also hooks up to WorldCat, which is really cool. So you can find it at a nearby library if it's something that you really want. Uh, and this is something that they built to show the great work that the librarians that are a part of the association, what they do every year. Because there are tons of ways to get involved. And also, you don't have to be on the board. It could be something as simple as like a two-month task force or a year-long award or selection committee. Um, and they have opportunities where some of them you do have to meet. So I have to go to ALA. I have to go to Midwinter. And I have to go to Annual. Um, um, but there are things that you could do at home. You know, if you want to be on Quick Picks, um, which is something that I was on in a different form back in the day. Back in the day is 2013. <laughs> <laughs> um, it exists more as a selection list that is in blog form. So you can be involved on a national level, but don't you don't have to travel because not everybody has a stipend. Uh, not everybody has the means to kind of go to these conferences. Uh, so you could be a part of these things at home which is really cool. Um, and Yalsa is making such great steps now, even beyond these book lists, um, <clears throat> to really focus a lot of their mission and vision statement on EDI, which is um, equity, diversity, and inclusion. Um, you know, as we move forward um, with these conversations about diversity and wanting to be able to serve everyone that walks through our doors, um, Yalsa is really taking some great steps to focus on that um, through their competencies, through their strategic planning. Um, so it's a lot of exciting stuff that's going on and I love being a part of Yalsa um, I love being a part of ALA for me it's helped me broaden my network of people and professionals that I know um, I think so for so many of us it's so easy to get stuck in our day to day in our mm -hmm. own four walls and our own buildings that when I go to ALA I feel like I always call it summer camp for librarians because yeah. you're like running down the hallway seeing that person that you haven't seen in a year and you're like giving them the biggest hug because you were stuck in a room with them trying to decide the winner of an yes. award for like eight hours eating Cheez-Its like really <laughs> just like ah, ah, what are we going to do um, so it's like a reunion you get to know these amazing people from all over the country that you probably wouldn't have met otherwise so yalsa and ala have just been such a huge huge eye-opening experience for me that's true it sounds like it sounds like what i'm doing when i go to a conference too <laughs> yeah exactly yeah any conference where you're able to kind of meet people who are not in your you know geographic area i think is an experience that is just invaluable and Absolutely. outside your comfort level too exactly yeah, yeah. sometimes you have to live in outside that comfort level and librarians hate being outside the comfort level <laughs> So, I mean, I if I don't, I, I don't any, mind it, but you know, if I don't have a banana with peanut butter every day, it's just the worst day on earth. Look I mean, out. That's me out of my comfort level. I mean, just <laughs> awful. Note to self: banana, peanut butter, Derek. Okay. You got it. Yeah. Okay, so how are you guys associated um, with the Association of Library Service to Children? That's ALS. ALSK. ALSK. God, these acronyms drive me crazy, right? Um, and. The Yalsa Booklist Book List Odyssey Awards. Oh, that, you're, you're killing me. My tongue is all tied now. We want to just throw as mouthful. many letters in, as possible in there. Exactly. So <laughs> I feel like that award takes the cake. 
So it started in yes. 2008, right? Yeah. So um, this is my first time on a selection committee. Um, so Good luck the, with that. Wow. Well, it's too much pressure. This was last year. I'm, I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Odyssey Award is uh, – presented to I'm going to read off the description. It's given to the producer of the best audiobook produced for children and or young adults available in English in the United States annually. So it's presented jointly by Alsk and Yalsa and sponsored by Booklist magazine. So there's a lot of people involved, but it doesn't change the process. It's still that same um selection committee process. Is there a nomination or are you just kind of so <laughs> you go through and grab stuff off the shelf. We got to listen to this this year. Yeah, right. No, I, well, there's a little of that, but basically, um, you have your committee chair, and the publishers contact the, that person, send them all the audiobooks. Um, well, all right, I'm going to revise that. I'm just making things up now. All they the contact audiobooks. the chairperson. Um, they get all of our individual information. I think there were eight of us on the committee. Um, so they have our shipping addresses, and they send us these audiobooks. So we theoretically get every audiobook that's published for children and or teens in that award year. Yikes. Um, so we would get them. Uh, she would go through and assign everybody what listening they had to do. It was, you know, it was a lot of hours and mm-hmm. you had to do your listening. Um, you had to listen to a certain amount of an audiobook and then report on whether you think we should keep going. Should everybody listen to this? And we had a couple points in the year when it would, it would be, a, okay, it's time to tell us which ones you think are going to go on the, on the slate to be discussed. And then everybody has to listen to those ones that you say, this one's good enough. And then we met once at ALA uh, Annual, which was in the summer. And then when we met again in midwinter, that was when we decided on what the what our winners would be. Wow. I have to say the interesting thing about um, watching Darla go through the process of being on the Odyssey Award um, and meeting some Bananas of Bananas and peanut butter. Exactly. <laughs> and meeting some of her fellow committee members is that you're listening, right? So it's it's a different action than reading. So yeah. when you're listening, it's almost like you have to figure out what else you can do uh, rather yeah. than just sitting there. So Darla took up like some really great like needlepoint. I like, took projects. up needlepoint. I got really good at Tetris. Really- you have to find things that are completely mindless. Like I, some people could knit. Some people who are really good at knitting could knit while they listen. I can't because I need to be counting and looking at the pattern. So I couldn't do that. You need to be actively listening. And you're not even just listening for the story. Like, mm. do I like the story? You're listening to the the sound quality, you know, what choices is the narrator making in terms of are, can you tell the characters apart or do you have to think about it? How's their diction? Are they saying everything right? Is that accent right? Did they pronounce that word correctly? Like, and all of this has to come together to make kind of a perfect production. And you kind of start to lose your mind. So I took a lot of walks. <laughs> like a lot of walks. <laughs> My house was so clean. <laughs> I could vacuum while I while I So listened. that's the trick, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Finding what to do while you listen yeah, to all these Yeah, it's like books. so different than just like passively listening to an audiobook on your way home. Yeah. Like yeah. I was going to say, how long is your commute to listen to all these audiobooks? <laughs> 20 yeah. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I needed to just Quite drive around in circles more. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I can't even imagine having that kind of power. It was it was a it was a really interesting process. I've probably done a terrible job describing it because it's kind of this fever dream, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know when you come out the other end of something like what what just happened? What how did we do that? Where I don't know. I don't I remember it anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I know we're going to talk about this in a bit, but you, you, 
you finish it, you kind of finish early because um, it's so much, it's such a time commitment because, you know, it doesn't matter. You can't be a fast reader. You can't be a fast listener. If an audiobook is 15 hours, it's 15 hours. So they actually cut off the um, submission deadlines for October 1st for us to be able to decide in February what's going to win because wow. we need that last chunk of time to, like, catch up on listening. So, like, you know, we caught up. We gave the award in February. Like, at that point, if you ask me, are you ever going to listen to an audiobook again? I would have said, never. I was going to say, and you get your next box in March, right? Yeah, exactly. And then I immediately volunteered to do another audiobook committee. <laughs> <laughs> like a crazy person. Wow. Audiobooks are great. Audiobooks are wonderful. Oh, I, I love, love audiobooks. audiobooks. Definitely. Because <laughs> it's great for that passive listening. It's great for passive listening. It's great for different kinds of learners because not everybody is, you know, is suited to digest information that's printed. Some mm-hmm. people learn better and digest better and comprehend better when they're listening. So audiobooks are vital. I, like, it's, it's, a, it's a matter of access for some people, you know. Um, but even just, you know, people who are too busy to sit down and read a book. It's a way to still be able to enjoy literature, whatever it is you enjoy, you know, while you're traveling, while you're working, while you're doing what you have to do. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and just a plug for your local library. Check to see if they have an e-audiobook oh, collection. Yes. I know out here in Suffolk we have a great one, and that's one of my favorite things is just downloading an audiobook to my phone and playing mm-hmm. it in my car. You know, I, when I first loved audiobooks, it was all CDs, and so I would be driving to work doing, you know, the speed limit, of course, <laughs> and then I would get to the end of one of the CDs and be trying to, like, one hand get the CD out, put the other CD in, mm-hmm. try and keep my eyes on the road. And... Very safe. But now, with e-audiobooks, it just plays. I don't have to switch anything. So, yeah, always I say it's my favorite thing is going, getting, downloading an e-audiobook. I agree. Okay, so, Derek. Yes. Can you tell us about your work with the Michael L. Prince Award? And for the listeners who aren't familiar with the award, what does it recognize in its award winners? So, the Michael L. Prince Award for Excellence in Young Adult Literature is through YALSA which I was talking about before. And I will read just this little one sentence from the website. uh, That way I don't get it wrong. The Michael L. Prince Award annually honors the best book written for teens based entirely on its literary merit each year. So it's, it's supposed to be the best book written for teens in a calendar year. And it's very similar in the sense that publishers send us tons and tons and tons of books. And as a committee, we read them and decide whether or not they move on to further discussions. And then we get locked in a room at ALA midwinter and annual, and we kind of hash it out. Um, So when I was in library school, uh, the course that changed my life, or at least the path of my career and made me know that I was exactly where I wanted to be was my YA literature course. Um, And it was, um, it was, taught by two women, Sarah Corey and Karen Silverman. And they just like had such passion for teen literature and they had each served on a Prince committee. And when they spoke about it, I was sitting in that desk going, I want to do that. I want to be able to do that. And then when I was finally given the opportunity to do it, I almost lost my mind. I was so excited. (laughs) Um, I knew for myself, 
I had to run immediately to Staples to get as many different colored post-its as possible and highlighters and other magical things to kind of take notes on because that's a big part of it is that when you're reading these books and if you think it has this literary merit, if you think that it is the best in young adult literature for that year, you kind of have to have the proof. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it about this book? What What's the language that you like? What's the imagery that you like? What's the voice that you liked? And you have to take those notes. Um, so it was a very intense year of reading. Um and, you know, and then you go in a room with your committee members and you talk about why you think these books did or did not meet that criteria. And you kind of hash it out from there. Again, it's that thing of like, as I'm talking about it, I'm like, I really condensed it. But it was like yeah. so insane for a year to read well, all these imagine. books, you know, and but yet there's such joy in it. And I just have, you know, these flashbacks to being a child and seeing those books on the shelves that have those shiny stickers on them. And when you're little, you see these books with these stickers on them. It makes them special, right? But when you're little, you don't realize that it's a group of librarians that have yeah. put those stickers on those books, you know? And so to be a part of that, to be able to put a beautiful, shiny sticker on a book, it's very exciting. It's mind-blowing. Yeah. So I was on the 2016 Michael L. Prince Award, and Bone Gap by Laura Ruby was our winner. Yes. Yeah. I didn't say what my winner was. Say who your winner was. My winner was The Hate You Give for the 2018 Odyssey Award. Yeah, and my my group, my committee, we all got um, tattoos commemorating <laughs> our books. And SLJ did a did an article on it, so I'm sure if you just did like Prince tattoos or something on SLJ, it'll come up. Many of us got B tattoos because there's a B on the cover of that book. Um, wow. Yeah. So, but but that's the thing is that I think for like for at least for uh, some librarians, that is like an amazing part of your career to be able to do that. And for us, it was so so special that yeah. it was like. I want to live with this book branded on my body mm-hmm. forever. And the other thing is, you know, aside from time management, what's really hard about being on one of these selection committees is they're very strict. You are not allowed to talk about what you think of these books. You can't tell people what your committee thinks. Um, you have to be very careful, like, talking about what you're reading and where you got it from. So with your winner, you kind of have this, you know, you, you, you see what's coming and you know by the end of the year what's at the top of your list. And you kind of have to be tight-lipped about it, which is not what librarians are good at keeping to themselves we're supposed to be talking about books, books you yeah. like you, know, yeah. you want to you read something or you hear something amazing you want to go up to people like you have to read this you have to listen to this it's so good but like with bone gap you probably had to kind of keep it to yourself for a while yep. so then you finally announce the award and you want to like shout it from the rooftops like everybody it yeah. was bone gap it was the hate you give ah. celebrate celebrate yeah yay yeah but i still keep everything i read that year pretty pretty secret yeah oh yeah no you're really you're really not supposed to say anything no I and mean, it's just the winner you can be like well this is the one we picked as the winner so right. and that's, that's it. all you're allowed to know top <laughs> secret i took it very very seriously yeah. i i was reading books on the way to ala on the plane and i was like turning the cover mm-hmm. jackets inside out so no one knew what i was reading i truly i just really believe wow. in that this the secret this is intense. It's it is intense. Yeah. I mean, there there were points in time where we were in that room where we were reading our notes and like we would like people would cry. We would like because you you become so passionate about yeah. these books and and I think that for everyone on these committees, there's a weight to it. There's a weight that comes with it. Saying we're choosing this book, mm-hmm. and that's a big deal. So, but when I look back at it, it was one of the best experiences I've ever had. So much fun. So, Darla. Yes. Since we're talking about audiobooks. Audiobooks. Here we go. Um, what's the Audio Publishers Association Audis Award? And what's your connection to it? So, 
I'm going to read from my little notes again here. The Audis are given annually by the Audio Publishers Association to the best titles in audio publishing. Um, it's been around since 1996. So this one is totally different from the Odyssey Award. The Odyssey Award goes to one title and however many honor books. Um, this one, there are 30 categories. So Ooh, one of them gosh. is best audiobook, but then it's broken down into all sorts of stuff. So there's best middle grade, best book for young children, best for young adults, best male narrator, best female narrator, best book read by the author. Like there's a ton. Then it goes Ooh. into genres. Luckily, um, when you're a judge for the Audis, um, you are only assigned to one category and only to one part of the process. So there's three rounds of judging. The first round, folks are given samples of basically whatever the publishers want to throw at them. And they have to listen to a certain amount and either say, no, this one's not good, or advance it to the next round. The middle round is what I'm a judge for. Um, we get a list of, of titles that they think are potentially some of the best. We have to listen to them all the way through. And then we rank a certain amount of them and send those on to the finalist judges, and they're going to do the final judging. So I'm in this middle part. Um, again, I can't talk about what titles I'm listening to, um, but it's 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 interesting because it's a different kind of listening than I did for the Odyssey Awards. When you're just trying to pick the best, you listen slightly different than if you're trying to rank what you're given. So that's been interesting. Like, it's it's a different kind of note keeping, um, but I'm enjoying it. It's the same kind of crunch time of I'm trying to budget as many hours in the day as I can. I'm getting good at Tetris again. Um, <laughs> She's so, going to yeah. beat that top score any day now. Yeah. So this one's not going to be announced until, I think, like, Book Expo is when they announce it. Oh, wow. Or it's, it's late. It's later. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I hit the thing. It's a lot later. <laughs> <laughs> so is there more time to listen? No. Oh, no. <laughs> I no. got I got my first set of assignments in late September, and I got the next set of assignments at the beginning of November, and I have to s listen to them all by the middle of December. So it's actually a lot more condensed oh, listening. Um, I think I clocked in. I have about 140 hours of listening to do total. Ouch. I'm very behind. <laughs> so Darla has to go now yeah, because goodbye. she has to go listen to some yeah. books. <laughs> wow. So Derek, yes. tell us about the Walter Dean Myers Award given by We Need Diverse Books. So when I was done with The Prince, I was like, I need to take some time off. I need to like get my brain back in check. I need to rest. Um, I need to kind of you know get back to just being able to read a book, not take notes. Um, and then that didn't happen because <laughs> I was lucky enough to be uh, contacted by the folks from We Need Diverse Books. And for those of you that aren't familiar with We Need Diverse Books, um, it actually began as a hashtag, hashtag We Need Diverse Books, um, from the amazing Ellen, uh, Ellen O. And she basically said we need diverse books because sh no one's being represented. So it uh, kind of became this amazing um, group uh, you can find out more about them at diversebooks.org. Um, and they made this award called the Walter or the Walter Dean Myers Award, which is in honor of Walter Dean Myers, who's an incredible children's and young adult author. He actually won the first Michael L. Prince Award when it came out, which is really incredible. Um, and so uh, the Walter Award was inaugurated in 2016, uh, and it's an annual award for outstanding children's literature, which recognizes diverse authors or co-authors whose works feature diverse main characters and address diversity in a meaningful way. Um, so I was on this award for two years and 
basically the criteria is, is that um, my first year, it was only for young adults. My second year, they added like a, a children's category as well. Um, so it has to be by a diverse author and the main character or the story has to be uh, by about a diverse person or a diverse group. Um, and again, uh, this was a little different because we didn't have any in-person meetings. So it was all virtual meetings. We'd have monthly chats. And it's, again, that same thing, a very top secret, taking lots of notes. Um, and this is, again, for the best, but of that specific group of diverse authors and diverse characters. Um, and so it's, it's incredibly special. Uh, it's incredibly special for me. Um, you know, I'm um, part of the LGBTQ community. So to see these books get a spotlight um, and just diversity in general get a spotlight, um, to see more and more of these books um, coming out every year, to see publishers um, kind of honor them and give these voices a voice, um, to have these books that can act as mirrors for kids. I know for myself, finding these books on the shelves, these books, they, they existed uh, you know, um, books with gay characters in them existed. You know, the first book for young adults was published in 1969, um, but they weren't always good. And now they're getting amazing. Uh, they're not even just great. They're amazing. These books, they're literature, you know, and, and for me, I didn't find these books or at least good books until I was 18, you know? So there are kids out now who can find themselves in a books now as kids. They're middle grade books you know, with characters that are, that look like them or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really the Walter Dean Myers is to honor that, that award is to honor these books. And we need diverse books is so incredible because they not only support these books, they support these authors, they have grants. Um, so I, it, it, and it just keeps growing, which is exciting. Even from my one to two years, the amount of books that we received that fit that criteria uh, are growing. So it's, it's incredibly exciting. And it is interesting how the cultural, sh- cultural shift is changing um, like you said before, maybe in 1969, they weren't writing as well about, you know, diversity and, and books about being diverse as well as they are now because of social um, things, more as in folk ways that have changed so much since then, mm-hmm. where now people can be more expressive and, and yeah. without having like this cloak around what, you know, how they feel or, or you know, who they love mm-hmm. or where they're from. We are now, we're a lot more open as a society where we can talk about these things openly. And mm-hmm. it's not something that we only talk about, you know, in back rooms or, you know, hidden away somewhere. So maybe that has helped the literature develop and evolve. I mean, and the whole thing is, is that we've all always existed, mm-hmm. right? We've yep. all always existed. It's mm-hmm. just that no one was willing to speak about us. Mm-hmm. And now we're not only speaking about us, but we're, we're characters in books, just like we're characters in life. You know? And you're real characters in and books. You're not... right. Something that's being picked on, something that's being right. demeaned in any way, shape, or form. And, and so I did my my research paper for my master's degree on past and present portrayals of LGBTQ characters in young adult literature. And just the shift, right? So in the beginning, it was like in the at the start of the book, they were like, oh, I might be gay. And then by the end of it, they're like, you know what? I'm not. It's fine. Or Or they die. Or they'd get beat up. You right. know what I mean? Whereas mm-hmm. now, it's like not... Not only you're gay, but the whole point of the book isn't that you're gay. The point of the book is that you are riding a dragon. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you, it, it's a fantasy, and it just so happens that the main character is it's, gay. It's not the topic; yeah. it's just a character. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it's the same thing for um, cultural diversity and mm-hmm. ethnicity and absolutely and sure race and everything. It's just that we exist just like we exist in life. You know, I'm not. You know, I'm not a gay librarian. I'm a librarian. You know, it's like right. I'm not a gay protagonist. I'm a protagonist in a book, but I'm also gay. 
I mean, I am a gay librarian, but you know, whatever. <laughs> right, but it's it's one of those things where, um, first of all, you can be mm-hmm. now. Where if as early as you know the '80s, you couldn't. I mean, mm-hmm. you could, but you know, it would not be it, socially. It wouldn't be accept as acceptable as it is now. Um, and I think that even the literature now is like we were saying before backing up that society is more open mm-hmm. towards all people now. It's not just, you know, the way things were in the 1950s. Yeah. Where, you know, women all wore the same dress and, and they were all homemakers and, and sewed and, and did all those those gender role things. Mm-hmm. Gender roles now have come to a point where it's almost passe. It, they're still there. Don't get me wrong. They're still there. But it's not the same way it was. Yeah, I think we've come a long way. I think we still have a long way to go. Absolutely. I mean, don't. I mean, I. I mean, I grew up. I went to um, elementary school in the '90s, and I remained closeted until I got into college uh, in 2003. Um, but there are kids now who are coming out in middle school mm-hmm. who are coming out before that. You know, and 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 I'm not saying it's an easy road for them, um, but there is that acceptance where they can do that. Yeah. You know, whereas when I was a kid, just what twenty years ago, it was scary. You know, and 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 I think that by having more of this literature where we exist, gives more of a chance for other people to read that we exist, mm-hmm. and kind of open that door of acceptance. You know, there's that whole conversation of windows and mirrors, right? And so, I mean, I'm sure everybody's heard it now, but books can act as windows or they can act as mirrors, right? So I can either see into your life, I'm looking through a window into your life and I get to experience what you've been through, or I'm looking into a window and I'm finally seeing myself. Mm -hmm. And seeing a positive outcome for yourself too. That's been one of the big shifts is that it's not just... Um, issues of diversity aren't just relegated to problem books where bad things happen to the character or even if something bad doesn't happen in the end, their road is horrible and difficult and and torturous Mm. Um, that you can just see yourself as yourself in a book having a nice life or a fantasy adventure or, you know, in all sorts of different professions, all sorts of different outcomes. And that's the magic. And I think with We Need Diverse Books, they've kind of helped this conversation Mm you know, really kind of spearhead forward and bring more attention to this issue of underrepresentation. Yeah. Well, what's interesting too is being a teen is hard. Mm. It's being hard just being a teen. Now factor in maybe you feel a certain way or maybe your skin color isn't the most socially accepted skin color and now you're dealing with that on top of being a teen. Mm -hmm. That, this literature... It's very helpful towards helping those kids see they're not alone. Mm-hmm. There are other people like them, and it's okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. just showing them in regular roles in life where the main crux of the story isn't, you know, the issue or yeah. the the lack of diversity or the diversity. It's just another trait of right. a character. Yeah. Exactly, and it's just a normal story. Yeah, it, it, that's to me, again, no experience or expertise in in teen or children's services, it just tells me that we've evolved, as far as I am concerned, we've evolved to the point now where it's not something that, for lack of a better way to describe it, it's not something that's the main focus anymore. It's just, like we said before, it's a character trait. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's something that we should embrace and something that 
is, is going to help those kids who are struggling with it as a main character, what they see maybe as a character flaw, to see that people are doing this. And this goes for teens in general, too, not necessarily just the diversity issue. Mm. You know, that it's going to get better if you're having mm-hmm. a lousy teen, mm-hmm. teen yeah. time. It's going to get better. It's going to change. There's always light at the end of the tunnel. It's not a train. Yeah, and I think it's hard to see that sometimes when you're living it. Yeah. You know, when you're in that moment. But sure. if you can find that piece of something, that literature, that or that even a television show, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Or, or a podcast mm-hmm. or something. Or, you know, I mentioned Steven Universe before, but Steven Universe has such an amazing set of characters who don't follow any sort of quote-unquote norm. You know what I mean? And granted, most of them have gems embedded them, embedded <laughs> in them someplace. But the point is, is that they are beings, they are creatures, they exist in their true selves, and they deal with something sometimes. But at the end of it, they're strong, mm-hmm. and they know who they are, and that's amazing. And they can be who they are. And I, and I just think that there's so much out there that offers that now. Yeah. It's really great to be able to put together a long bibliography on any of these topics or in the past, really, it would be a couple books, maybe like five books. And now yeah. it's like, which ones am I going to pick? Mm-hmm. Now I can pick the best, yeah. not just the only ones. I just um, spoke on a panel at uh, Comic-Con's Professional Day for Librarians at the New York Public Library. And it was called, oh gosh, it was like Queer Comics, Comics for Kids of All Ages or something like yeah. that. I should remember the name of the panel that I was on. Um, I moderated the panel, actually. And you did a great job. We really. had um, Nola Thacker, Valerie Acklin, Jody Ruggiero, and author-illustrator Molly Ostertag, who wrote this book called The Witch Boy. Um, and there's also there's a second one that just came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had so many queer graphic novels to choose from that we just had a, a slideshow that was just on loop in the back of us. And that's just so exciting. Cause and it was just comics. It was just comics. That's and it, amazing. And it was like really really good ones and it was like so there were even ones that we didn't even get to mention that yeah. weren't even in there you know what I mean it was just like it's like yes this is where we're going this is where we've arrived and it's so exciting it's so exciting oh there's so many good queer graphic novels out there anyway <laughs> anyway it's an exciting time in the profession though, don't you think yeah very well and that's even the thing right is that that we get to bring light to these things as librarians we can put them on display we can have them in our collections you know and, and that's in our DVD collections and our e-offerings in our mm-hmm. actual physical books that we have we offer a place for diverse people to come and you know that's I, I think about you know I was like the sole gay kid in my class you know maybe in my middle school I mean I don't know now but I could have come to the library Yep, because the library isn't just for my school the public library is for everyone in that community mm-hmm. so maybe I could have met someone that was going through a similar experience you know even just to boil it down like we mentioned Battle of the Books before those are just library kids right yep. so they might not have a set group of friends at school but when they come to the library that's where they have their group of friends mm-hmm. they have their Battle of the Books kids those kids that are like them that love reading mm-hmm. and then they go to Battle of the Books where they meet more kids just like them mm-hmm. you know what I mean it, it's just like you know the magic of libraries and what we can offer it's incredible absolutely i'm 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 on like a library <laughs> He's fired up. i'm like on a library soapbox in a library talking on a library podcast you're you're like glowing right now <laughs> and, and this is one of the points where you say I wish this was a video podcast because you're glowing right now. <laughs> it is so awesome to see. It's so exciting. And it's nice to see somebody get to get as excited as I get when I talk about this stuff. Because you get people here, yeah, I um yeah. And then 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 he opened the door 
and then and you're just like <laughs> dying inside. If I'm ever like that, something's absolutely wrong with me. I must yeah. have the flu. But like it's like funny because like going back to segment one of this podcast, um, we're geeking out over libraries right yeah. now. Like yeah, we were yeah. talking about being geeks in libraries. Like now we're just like geeking out about libraries, just about the concept in general. Exactly. Was that segment one or is this the same segment? No, you were right. I was right. Okay, you're sorry. right. You're I, right. I always doubt myself. Like, and that's actually that. a really good segue to, to move towards our third segment. So, All right. but first, I want to thank you both. This was amazing, awesome. And I'm not so scared of teen librarians anymore, or teen or teens. <laughs> even though I have a couple of them at home, and they can be scary sometimes. I've done my job. Now. Yes, and uh, no, this is this is great. So we're gonna take a break, and when we come back, we are gonna. As I flip over the script that I say I never read, we are gonna be asking Derek and Darla. This is gonna be a little different because you don't necessarily you're not in the trenches. Like mm. some of us mm. who sit in the public library world do. Mm. Um, but we're going to talk to them about our top 10 library questions or the 032 list, which is doing number for top 10 lists. And again, as we said before, Melanie Cardone, Longwood Public Library, she gets credit every single episode because she gave us the name for the list. And yes, I'm pounding on the countertop, which is completely a faux pas when you're recording. And I'm doing it's your it again. Passion. It's your passion. See, that is the passion. So the glow is wearing off. It's where it's, it's the, the glow is just a cloud that's coming over to us. Look at that. It's Nirvana over here. Yes. So we'll be right back. We're going to go have a Nirvana Nirvana moment. Hey, we are back with Derek Ivey and Darla Salva Cruz, and they're going to be our next victims <laughs> for the 032 list. I'm so scared. We're going to wing this. Oh, I'm scared, too. We're going, to, we're going to wing it because you guys don't work in a traditional library setting. So Truth. we're going to figure this out. But first, we have to say that um, we have to say that the list was inspired by Literary Hub, an informative library-related news site that has stories and interviews related to library land. You can see their work by visiting lithub.com and visit the site because they educate and inform the library world on great topics from all over the world. Thank you, Literary Hub. So, you guys ready? We're going to wing this. We're going to make this work. I believe in us. Okay. Yeah, we can do it. First question. What did you want to be when you were a child? Derek. Me? I wanted to be a dentist. A dentist. I wanted to be a dentist, but then I found out that you have to, like, dissect a cadaver. And I was like, oh, I'm not meant for the medical field. (laughs) (laughs) But when I was a little kid, yeah, I wanted to be a dentist. Very cool. Yeah. I wanted to be a marine biologist. Oh, right. And I think my interest just changed. I was never disenchanted with marine life. I still love whales. (laughs) (laughs) Get a little seasick. I love it. I was never disenchanted with marine life. (laughs) Okay, question two. What was your first memory of a library, and who brought you to the library for the first time? I grew up in Queens, so my library was the Ozone Park branch of the Queens Public Library. Um, And my mother was the first one to bring me to the library, and it was to just get me my favorite Sweet Valley Kids mysteries (laughs) books. I love those twins. What can I say? (laughs) Um, So when I was very young, we lived in Holbrook. 
So my first memory of a library is this library. The Sachem Public Library. Brought me to the Sachem Public Library. Bravo! It different than it oh, what does a now. Full circle moment. Um, we're did having. it still, did so, it still look I like walk- a circus tent? <laughs> a circus do, do, tent. Do, 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 yes. Do, do, do. Originally, it had like this Pizza Hut kind of centerpiece. Oh, you know, I, so that I don't remember it super well, but so I now remember I'm have to put it, it on enough the website. that when I walk yes. in here, I can feel the old building, like the shape of it, mm-hmm. and I remember the children's activity room and going to the they had like the open play where they have a little kitchen and they have blocks and they have you know little cars and a road and it's you can all play about with the, all the wooden kids. kitchen isn't it mm. it's a wooden it's an important part of the children's room let me say uh, so i remember playing with that <laughs> I, I met darla's mother this summer while we <laughs> sure. were actually at this library and her mother just like tells these like these adorable stories of sweet little baby darla in this library like just being Cute. I love to this library. Yeah. I still love this library. Oh, it's that a great is place. awesome. It's a little plug for Sagem. Okay, so when did you decide to work in a library? I know we kind of covered this, mm. but just bear with us on this one. When did you decide to work in a library? And if it wasn't your first career path, as many librarians have a different career path when they start in their second career, we know we got a one percenter in the room, so she's mm-hmm. not even going to answer that question. Mm-hmm. And Derek, you, you already kind of covered it. Yeah. yeah. I went to school for accounting. Yeah. Of and all then, the things you would put, you, you put Derek's picture on the wall and all the possible professions, the last <laughs> one on the list would be accounting. I wear a tie well, so maybe that. <laughs> His tie today also has eyeglasses on it, so that's kind of an accountant. Right? Eyeglasses, lots of small numbers. Yeah. So I went in for accounting and then I thought maybe advertising and that didn't pan out either. So I got my, my degree is in creative writing journalism. Um, and then I worked at a magazine. That was my first job out of out of college, where I was supposed to stand on red carpets and <laughs> ask really awkward questions to semi-famous people. I wasn't good at it. I'd rather ask you what you want to read. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so who is your favorite fictional librarian? My favorite... Fi- I, you know, the first one that came to my mind was Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I mean, like, he's British, he gets the summers off because he works in a school, um, he knows how to fight demons, you know, he just has a lot going on for him. What's not to love? He was like, he was like a really great teen librarian, wasn't he? Mm. I mean, like, he had to keep them alive, that's a lot of pressure, I mean, but we all do. Um, but like... <laughs> You know, like, he worked in a high school. He worked with teenagers. They, you know, killed vampires and stuff like that. You know, I think, you know, he was a great teen librarian. Yeah. He gave them all the resources they needed. Absolutely. I mean, he aced his job. Yeah. And we only saw the after-school stuff. I'm sure he was, you know, helping kids with papers and stuff during the day. Vanquishing other kinds of (laughs) assorted paranormal baddies. Oh, paranormal baddies. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Um, so I, I looked up a list for this question because so I was like, I don't know. I found a listicle where on the list they included Cal from the episode of Doctor Who, uh, Silence in the Library, which is one of my favorite episodes of Doctor Who. It's from the 10th Doctor. It's when they go into a library and it's empty and there's no one there and they have to solve the mystery of why. So I won't explain who my favorite character is because that's a spoiler, sweetie. Um, but that one on the list was my favorite. Wow, we've never had that that kind of an answer before. You can't say who it is because it would be a spoiler. It's a spoiler. I love it. So what would you be doing if you weren't working in library land? Oh. We're just you looking at Not be other. the accountant. Uh, uh, no, I don't think I'd be an accountant. I, Although that was a movie, right? The accountant? The accountant. Yeah, but he was like 
It was one of another another one of his terrible movies. Was that Ben Affleck? It was Ben Affleck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. he was like a like a murderer, mercenary, or yeah, something. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mercenary. I'm like, he's a murderer. Um, <laughs> I'm not familiar. Um, I don't, what would I be doing if I wasn't a librarian? I don't know. Maybe uh, I'd, I'd probably, I don't know. I really, what would I be doing? Darla, yeah, tell I, me. I'm looking at Darla. But I'm like, answer this you for You seem me, to Darla. want me to be able to give you an answer here. Yeah, I, don't I really know. don't know. Would you know. be an author? Would you be I'd in pro- publishing? Yeah. Would you be in the book world? I'd probably be in the book world still. I absolutely believe I would be in the book world still. Maybe as an editor. Um, maybe in marketing in a publishing house. Mm. Um, you would be good at that, actually. Oh, why, thank you. So sweet. He talks up a book really well. <laughs> I, I see that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think I would, I would definitely still be in the book world if I weren't a librarian. Books have always been the, you know, one of the, some of the loves of my life. So this has got to be a really hard question for you, Darla, being the one percenter. <laughs> I think I'd also probably still be in the book world. But like, if you ask me when I'm in a certain mood, I have ridiculous answers. Like, what else would you want to do? Oh, I'd want to be a physicist, an astrophysicist. I never took physics in high school. <laughs> but, you know, I would do that. Or I'd be, you know, I'd be a marine biologist. Or, you know, I'd be a famous singer. Like, <laughs> Yeah, well, that's like my, my secret answer. Like, it's like if I, what I would, like, if I was my dream, like, I would be like a rock star. Yeah. I don't play an instrument at all. <laughs> I, so I'd be a lead sing? singer. I'd hit the tambourine real good, real well. Some of them don't even do that. So. That's true. Yeah, but yeah. So singer. Singer. Book singer. I started as a music major. Mm-hmm. I started as a vocal performance major, but then the English classes were really interesting, and I didn't have enough time between in the day to take both. So I was like, all right, I'm going to be an English major instead. Wow. So maybe I'd sing. <laughs> You are a one percenter because everyone else would probably go out the singing route. No, there's no. <laughs> it's it's not a it's not a safe career. Let's no, say that. No, it's not. I didn't have the drive to make it in the music world. You have to you have to be passionate. Yeah, I just liked it a lot. Hmm. Okay, so this question originally ori- originated as favorite. What's your favorite section of the library? Fiction, nonfiction, history. Mm-hmm. You know, but with the evolution of libraries, it could be, you know, makerspace, it could be the teen, whatever, you know, manga collection, it could be the gaming computers, it could be anything. So what's your favorite section of the library? Just throwing it out there. My favorite section of the library has to be the teen room. And I'm saying teen room specifically, Um, because I think libraries are constantly evolving. And I think that folks are seeing that. Teens need a space in the library. They deserve a space. They're part of our community. You know, so mm-hmm. so many libraries, especially if they're lucky enough to be remodeling in some way, they are carving out a room or a space for our teens, which I think is so exciting. Um, so I think. What about personally for you, though? Like, per- oh, it's still the teen room. Still the teen it's room. Still okay. the teen room. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It's still the teen room. It has all the books that I want. It has all the materials okay, that I okay, want. Okay. It has all the colors that I like. <laughs> really comfortable chairs. Um, when I first. Uh, in in this job, the first teen room I came to was Sagem's Destine Nation, and I use the word "room" lightly. I should say the teen floor. The teen, it's amazing. The teen, yeah. So it's I, I walked into it. I'm like these these poles light up. There's They're, very few things that make yeah. me ever want to say I'd like to be a teenager again, but that room is one of them. Yeah. Yeah, and there's so many beautiful rooms here in Suffolk County, yeah. and, and now they're popping up all over the country. Yeah. It's so exciting. So Yeah, they have, they have a good thing going on downstairs. Mm-hmm. They sure do. Yeah. Um, I like the fantasy section. 
I'm a big fantasy reader, and if I just want to go in and browse, that's probably where I'd head. But I feel like I also should say the children's room. <laughs> I do <laughs> the love the fantasy section room. in the children's room. If and there the, is one. Well, both, yeah. Children's rooms are always exciting to walk into. There's always something going on, even if it's just a family playing and parents relaxing with their kids. Um, but I've I've been to some crazy children's room. I visited this library just while we were visiting family in Burbank. I think it was called like the Millennium library or something like that they had a full-scale tyrannosaurus rex skeleton in Mm, their children's room and an aquarium wall and every part of the library was themed to a different kind of california architecture it was incredible but the children's room was mind-blowing wow children's rooms are great to visit they are okay so if you had infinite space and budget what would you add to let's say that what you could uh, instead of saying add to the library, meaning your library that you work in, because you guys work at the system, mm. what services would you offer if you had unlimited budget? What extra services that you would like to see but just can't see happening at the moment because of budgetary constraints or um, just practicality? Like you win the the billion dollar Powerball, mm-hmm. and you can do anything. And you walk into Kevin's office and say, "Here's a hundred million dollars. We're doing this the whole county." Oh, I would never do that to Kevin. All right, twenty. <laughs> then, all right, twenty million. We'll, <laughs> 20 million. I don't know. That's a really yeah, good it's, question. It's a hard question. It's not easy. I didn't say these questions were easy. No, they're I, fluffy questions, but. What would I do if I had all the money in the world? I mean... Gaming bus? Gaming bus. Gaming bus. Gaming trailer? Maker trailer? Fleet of gaming and making trailers. <laughs> yeah. The lending library. With 18 librarians fully I would staffed love, in each one. No, you know what? If, if we... So I'm going back on my teen services soapbox here. I would think it would be if we had a billion dollars or however much it was, how cool would it be if there was like a Suffolk Cooperative Library System teen center? Oh, like a like a teen building? Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. Right. That so, would be and, very and cool. And then it could house things like a studio like this where not all of our libraries would have the space for it. You know Almost I mean? like a like a Eastern Suffolk BOCES. But it would be for just teens to do this stuff instead of vocational. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, well, I want a children's version of that attached to it. Can we have that, too? Yes. And then in the middle is a rock climbing wall that everyone can use. When they're feeling, you know, creatively stuck, they need to do something. Get the architects on the phone. Now. Now. Right now. Yeah. I think that would be so cool. Yeah. And there are places in the country where they have things like this. They'll have like a children's center or a mm-hmm. teen center and it's a building solely dedicated to library services for them. Yeah. And like and so then we would bring in <clears throat> some specialists I'm pointing at Chris. Um, <laughs> that can teach the teens and the kids yeah. how to do podcasting. Or in our gaming center we can have a video game designer come in and talk about that trade. You know, if we had a wood shop, we can have a carpenter come in and mm-hmm. show you know what I mean? So it would be able to serve all of those maker opportunities that maybe some of our buildings aren't big enough to house. Yeah. We could have that there. Yeah. Oh. This this is we can plan as this. much as this sounds like lofty goal. This is doable. I think this is doable. You know, sometimes when I'm driving home, 
I just like it's like a straight do- shot down Sunrise Highway. I see like an empty lot, and I'm like, that's where I like. I think about this. I'm like, that would be the perfect spot for this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Build it up, put it mm-hmm. there. You know, and um, I just it would be so cool. It Abs- would be. Yeah, I, think about think about the reach for that, and if we're talking billion dollar budget, and then you know, SCOS would provide busing to get the kids mm-hmm. there. You know? You've just solved so many problems, Chris. <laughs> and, and we're not talking about school buses either. We're talking about nice, you know, buses. buses. Maybe, maybe <laughs> the gaming buses. The gaming buses but, to go to and from. But then it would yes. be really cool because if we had that, right? Then, like, librarians from a, from a library can have their kids come visit a certain section or just the teen center for the afternoon. Yeah. Right. So it's like you're going on a field trip. We provide the per- transportation. You can go there. You know, because libraries do that all the time. They do field trips and stuff like that. So yeah. this would be a field trip to the Suffolk. And it would have to be some place where the East End kids could be able to yes. come to. Because yeah. you don't want to forget about the, the Shelter Islands and the Montauks. Oh, my gosh. Of course not. And Greenport and all Absolutely those other places. Not. Floyd. But, yeah. Is, are we really that far off from that, though? Let's, let's be reasonable. It couldn't happen. It could happen. It could Let's happen. write some grants. Let's go. Let's get those. Let's start rolling. talking to, um, I don't know, some of those millionaires that like to give money to libraries. Yeah. Come on, come on, friends. Let's do this. <laughs> Bill Gates. Hey, Bill. What up, Bill? Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to modify the next question. Okay. Because it's what do you love about your library? What do you love about what you do at SCLS? Oops, sorry. I wasn't supposed to do that. My finger hit that. <laughs> Whoops. It's a very heartwarming I, moment approaching, though. <laughs> I thought we were getting played out. (laughs) Yeah, that's your. Yeah, I'm fading your mics down. Exactly, exactly. So, what I love about so truly, what I love about SCLS is that I get to work with a million amazing people, and I'm not even talking about the people that I work in those four walls with. I'm talking about the librarians throughout Mm -hmm. the county. Whenever I'm explaining what I do to people, I always say with such pride, I get to work with all of the youth services librarians in the 56 member libraries in my system. And that means so much to me. I have met so many incredible people with amazing ideas that have the passion and the drive and the follow through to make these things come to life for them to exist. Uh, And it's so exciting to see um, because, like we've said, we're not in the trenches. We're we're in a sort of headquarters sort of building. We're working on countywide things like Battle of the Books. We're working on trainings and workshops and things like that. So to see the amazing things that our librarians are doing is so exciting to me. And I, and I love getting to know these people and getting to work with them. It's, it's the best part of my job. I agree completely. Um, one of the reasons that I knew I would like being a librarian and why I became a librarian and why I love it is that helping people reach their goals is incredibly uh, satisfying. So it's kind of this meta position that we get to do it on at the system level because you get to help libraries achieve their goals of existing as libraries and Mm -hmm. librarians achieve their goals of being a librarian and educating them to empower their communities. Um, So it's it's really like a, a meta level of satisfaction. And just to be able to engage with things on a level that I never even kind of envisioned that I would be able to, you know, to be involved in our position. We have the freedom to be involved in things on the national level. I didn't know that I would ever get to be able to do that. I wanted to, but it's really uh, rewarding. Mm -hmm. 
We're the librarian's librarian, yeah. sort of. I love being a librarian's librarian. Me too. They're a great group of patrons to work <laughs> for. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to modify this a little bit, too. What is the weirdest <clears throat> thing that has happened in library land that you've seen? So it, it, this the, the context of this question is, you know, we all have these crazy stories, things that have happened while sitting at the reference desk. So what's – and I always say not the worst because we have tons of terrible stories, mm-hmm. right? But just the weirdest thing you've ever seen, whether it was at your time at New York Public or it, it's interacting with, you know, being in a teen environment while the day is going on and something – wow, that's weird. That kind of thing. Like, you know, a kid jumped through a sheetrock wall <laughs> or, you know, something so like that. So powerful. I was going to say um, a group of kids dressed like me at Bell and the Books, but we've already covered that. That was yeah, pretty that, weird. That, that, that is pretty weird. <laughs> With painted on glitter beards. I have one. Go for it. Um, so when I was at Half Hollow Hills, there was this girl who would come in. She's probably like 11, 12. I loved her. She was one of those kids who would come in and ask for a million books. She loved fantasy books. And anything I gave her, she was like, oh, yeah, this sounds good. So one day her dad asked for a book for himself, and we talked um, and I recommended to him a book called The Hot Zone, which is a very, like, pulpy nonfiction about Ebola, about this particular Ebola outbreak, mm-hmm. um, which I am a big fan of this book. So I gave it to him. I was like, oh, you're going to love it. It's very readable. They come back their next visit. And I was like, what do you think of the book? He's like, oh, I didn't get to it. And his daughter looks up at me. And she goes, I read it. <laughs> like, no, that book was not for you. And she goes, I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> That was my favorite weird thing that ever happened. I got very scared for a minute because it is never a book I would give to a child. Oh, that is funny. But she claimed it. Good for her. Yeah. I was proud of her. Mm -hmm. Also scared of getting in trouble, but proud of her. It worked out. (laughs) It worked out. It worked out. We're all good. She's on one of the (laughs) No phone calls were made. (laughs) Right. Exactly. No letters were written. Yikes. Okay. So I don't even know how to modify this next one because Mm -hmm. this is sticky for you guys since you're librarian's librarian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the question is, who's your favorite regular patron? Now, this has political implications that far outreach any politically correct question you could possibly answer. So why don't we talk in broad generalities or figure it out on your own how you can tell a story without disclosing names? Oh. We can change the names to protect the innocent if you like. They're all guilty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, who's your I mean, my favorite regular. I mean, I don't know. Like we, because you deal with so many librarians. Yeah. yeah. What about like, what's your favorite training to do? That's kind of adjacent. Oh, well, is that okay if I redirect sure, the question that's that fine. way? Sure, that's fine. I mean, we we every year, Darla and I each do. I mean, I don't know if this is yours, but one of my favorite things is our summer reading training that mm-hmm. we do. It's I a lot of fun. I mean, it's a day where. You know, so we're part of uh, CSLP, which is kind of this national coalition of libraries that uh, do this similar theme for summer reading. It's a weird way of explaining it, but I think it makes <laughs> sense. Um, and so, you know, like, uh, what was it? This year it was Libraries Rock, and then next year it's a universe of stories. So there's a theme, and then we kind of get to, like, plan this 
two-hour event where we do like experiments and crafts and other and share ideas with librarians just to spark their minds yeah so we have these days where we're just like shopping for like the most insane things and like that way we have (laughs) enough supplies 50 rolls of duct tape but it has to be patterned with ducks exactly it's very very important that there are ducks on the duct tape um yeah so that one's always a lot of fun that's that's one of my favorites and um you know because which is part of our job is that a lot of things that we do there are very like timely and very serious. Like mm-hmm. we just had a um, teen health workshop uh, focused on uh, the dangers of vaping and the laws of vaping within our county. Um, so we had someone from the Suffolk County Department of Health come in and talk to our teen librarians about it. So like that one's like taking furious notes, really talking about something that's very serious, something that's happening right now. Whereas this day for the summer reading training is like, let's it's have super some fun. fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's explore the fun aspect yes. of, of our jobs. Um, I'm going to answer the same question, too. Okay, that's um, fine. So we also, uh, it's coming up, we do a series of mock award discussions. Mm. So we have a mock Caldecott, which is the award given to the best picture book. Mock Newberry, which is the best title for middle grade readers. And for those people who take the uh, the civil service test for Librarian 1, make note of what you just said, because yes. it's probably going to be another question next yes, year. Yes, there was a question years. this year. Yes. Um, and the mock prints, which is Derek talked about that award already. So we have people sign up. They read a couple books that we we pick the books in advance. We give them the list. They read them. They come and they have these really in depth, thoughtful discussions. Um, and it's really great to listen to them talk about it. It's also great because it's one of those things of being a librarian where you don't get to like engage with books mm. that often mm. i mean we do it certainly but it's really great to just ha- sit down and talk about books and talk about why you liked it and pick it apart and you know s- throw it at a wall and see what sticks um so we have <laughs> for our suffolk county librarians <laughs> the mock caldecott is december 19th the mock newberry is january 15th and the mock prince is january 17th i'm in awe she got them all down that's Damn. amazing <laughs> Okay, so our last question, and this is a loaded question, but it's, I think it's one of my favorite questions. What are people without library cards missing out on? It just all boils down to the community. I think you're missing a chance to find your community. You know, I mean, I'm seeing that as without your library cards as a general thought of people who aren't accessing their library, you know, or interacting with it in any way. Um, I think that the library has evolved so much within the last, I would even say, five years. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's so much more that's being offered. You're going to find those people. You're going to find your tribe at the library. You're going to find that community that has the same interests as find you Find your tribe? Man, that that's the slogan. <laughs> <laughs> find your tribe. Yeah, you're going to, you know, I think when I was younger and still now, you know, my best friends, like that I've been friends with since I'm a little kid, they have no interest in anime and manga, right? So I was like kind of an outlier. And I mean, they always loved me and they never like thought it was a bad thing, but I couldn't really talk with them about it because they weren't interested in it. And that's fine. If I would have gone to the library as a teenager, I would have found those kids. You know, I would have found those people who have the same interests as me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I kind of wish that I had that. I mean, I have it now as an adult, which is really exciting. Um, and I found it with library people. Darla mm-hmm. and I uh, can go back and forth on things like this. And so many of our librarians have those interests. Um, but I really think that that's what folks are missing out on. Yeah, I agree. It's You're missing out on the world because mm-hmm. 
you don't know what you don't know. And whenever you visit the library, you're going to see something you didn't know, whether it's a class they offer, whether it's a kind of thing that exists. So, like, maybe you didn't know that you could get ebooks for free from the library. Maybe it's something that simple, or maybe it's something about, you know, you pick up a book and you learn about a new discipline. You didn't know that exists. Now you have a new interest or a new passion or a new hobby, a new community, a new, a new way of thinking and a new way of learning. Like, my favorite thing that we say about libraries is that libraries are where you go to learn your whole life long. So if you stop going to the library, like, have you stopped learning? Don't mm-hmm. never stop learning, never stop being curious, and never stop trying to investigate the world and learn more and grow as a person. That's the best place to do it is the library. Great answers, guys. You guys survived the list. Yeah. <sighs> You've made it. You've made it to the other <laughs> side. God. Wiping the sweat off my yeah. forehead. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that terrible, right? No. <laughs> so I have to say, I'm so happy you guys agreed to come in this has been awesome thanks so much for thank, having yeah, us yeah thank you for asking us it's been a this real a treat, treat. It's, it's so much fun so are there any plugs you guys want to give for anything plugs what's the summer reading club going to be this year summer readings and universal stories this it's year space themed space Ooh. very space. exciting space. There should be an echo on wait 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 hold on Uh-oh. oh wait do Uh-oh. we have that hold on should I say the slogan yes okay can I give it a shot a universe of stories. That didn't work. Oh. <laughs> All right, hold on. Hold so on. it's hard for me to not do the sound effect myself. Yes, okay. you want a story. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. Oh. A universe of stories. That was very dramatic. I liked it. We can isolate that. I can give that to you, and that could be something. <laughs> Yeah, so um, all the librarians that come to our trainings were like, here's a sound clip of me saying this. Please put it on your website. It's required that you work it into your summer reading programming at some point. Anytime someone signs up for the summer reading at your library, we're going to give them one of those staples buttons. Yes. Yes. Instead of going, that was easy, it's going to play that. Boy, did I open a can of worms, Uh huh? Yeah, it's bad Uh news. So not only are we going to have the largest, I don't know, teen children's makerspace in the world, but we're also giving out buttons with my voice on it. (laughs) A lot has happened. It's not good. It's productive. Yeah, yeah. So what else you want to tell us? Give us your plugs. Social Uh, media or anything like that? Oh, um, so you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at The Bearded Book. And I am at Brought a Book. Do you Very see good. a theme? <laughs> Maybe. It wouldn't be book-related, would it? Possibly. No. You have to dig. You have to you dig. Have to dig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to go deep for that one. <laughs> Nothing else? Uh, no. No. Hi. Stay uh, tuned for the Audi Awards. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Announcement. Some undisclosed future date. <laughs> and go to aola.org slash yalsa if you want to get involved on a national level yes. with your young adults. And also, you can do the same for ALSC yes. as well. We'd love to Volunteer. have. We'd love to it's have more people thing. getting involved from diverse backgrounds. Yes. Share your voice. Share your expertise. Let everybody know how awesome you are. Well, you guys are awesome. You're right. awesome. And yeah, no, you're awesome. no, you guys are the awesome ones. I just sit here and press buttons. <laughs> Very important buttons. Mm. Very important buttons. So this is where I get to actually press a button. Yeah. Believe it or yeah. not. So I press the button like that, and then I say, "That's all the time we have for this edition." And if you have any questions or comments on our show visit the Contact Us section of our website, thelibrarypros.com. We will also have links and photos from this episode on the site. So yes, I'm going to scrounge out pictures of you guys from the internet. So visit us on Twitter at, at thelibrarypros and on Facebook at facebook.com slash thelibrarypros. 
way too loud. Um, check us out on Google Play, uh, Apple Podcasts, all those places that you get your podcast. And don't forget to tell a friend. And remember that the opinions stated by the library pros and their guests are solely those of Chris and Bob. If Bob wasn't stranded somewhere in the snow. And uh, not those of the Central Public Library, Emma Clark Memorial Library, SCLS, or any other library. So we will see you next time. You've been listening to the Library Pros Podcast. The Library Pros are brought to you by Pippet Productions and by the Library Pros themselves, Krista Christofaro and Bob Johnson. Special thanks to Sachin Public Library for providing space for this podcast. Until the next turn of the page, I'm your announcer, Carlton Welch.